Welcome to Parse, the official podcast of the Elahe Omidyar, Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of D to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. The 26th episode of Parse is a snippet of a talk given by Michelle Langford on the importance of allegory in many Iranian films and how its use has become an indispensable tool for Iranian filmmakers to express forbidden topics and issues in their movies while also bypassing strict state censorship. By drawing on a long history of allegorical expression in Persian poetry and the arts, Langford goes even further by arguing that allegory has become an integral part of the poetics of Iranian cinema. Dr. Michelle Langford is a senior lecturer in film studies at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia. Her research spans the cinemas of Iran and Germany. She is the author of Allegorical Images, Tableau, Time, and Gesture in the Cinema of Werner Schroeder, published in 2006. Her 2021 book, Allegory in Iranian Cinema, explores the allegorical aesthetics of Iranian cinema, explaining how it has emerged from deep cultural traditions and how it functions as a strategy for both supporting and resisting dominant ideology. should begin with a little bit of definition um, to sort of really um, give a kind of a, a, a deeper sense of what I mean when I talk about allegory, because sometimes um, allegory is often dismissed as something that is kind of quite flippant and it's like, oh, you know, well, that's just an allegorical meaning. It doesn't really have any import, right? Um, so let's start with the basics. Allegory, as most of you probably know, is where you say one thing but mean something else. Um, in a more complex way, it's, it's any kind of um, cultural product, if you like, a story, a film, an image that holds within it multiple layers of meaning. And one of the most important kind of points around that is that those multiple layer, layers of meaning, they often coexist, they often conflict. Um, and one of the exciting things to discover when you're looking at a film that, that is allegorical or works allegorically is that you discover that often they, they it's quite difficult to determine what the the perhaps kind of real meaning is or um, or even you discover that there are actually conflicting meanings embedded within the films. And that's something that I discovered quite a lot with the Iranian films that I was looking at in the sense, particularly those films that had to, um, uh, had to deal with censorship uh, because um, it, you know, uh, it, you often have to try to say a certain kind of thing in order to get around censorship guidelines. Um, but really, the real meaning that you want to express is something that you hide deeply within the texture of the film itself. 
Now, in the Iranian context, we should also remember that Iranian hermeneutics, Iranian uh, uh, strategies and practices of interpretation, both of, um, of, uh, of religious texts, but also um, uh, of other cultural forms and even in practices in daily life, um, where there's a series of kind of um, practices of indirect communication. Um, the, the Iranian human uh, hermeneutics assumes, um, always assumes the presence of multiple levels and layers of meaning. So pretty much kind of, you know, uh, 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 most kind of discursive practices in the Iranian context at some level um, require some degree of interpretation. And so this is where kind of allegoresis in a sense um, becomes a kind of a practice that is quite, has over time and through tradition become quite normalized and naturalized within Iranian cultural expression. So it's really not surprising that we find so much allegory in Iranian cinema. And that brings me to the first um, example that I'll talk about today and one that I, I talk about at length in the book. So the pre-revolution popular genre film Rezar by Masoud Kimayi um, from 1969 is a really good example of a film that really announces in some ways its allegorical intentions and gives us some clues as to um, what that allegorical key that, will, uh, that the film will be using that will help us unpack and decode the film to come. So it's, a, it's a, an example of a, new, uh, a film that is, was a commercial popular film. Um, it, it's, it, it operates um, as a genre film in the, the popular Iranian, uh, uniquely Iranian genre of the Jaheli film, um, a film that's kind of involving sort of, you know, battles between good guys and bad guys, kind of urban gangsters, um, whose actions and behaviours, particularly the good, good guys, are framed by various traits such as heightened masculinity, honour and chivalry. Now, in the film, the title character, and many of you will be familiar with the film, so I'm sorry for going over this again, but just in case people don't know it. In the film, the title character played by the wonderful um, actor Baruz Fosugi returns home to find his sister raped and murdered and his brother killed uh, when he tried to seek revenge for his sister's murder. These are it's about tracking down the, the brothers um, who were responsible and to avenge uh, the deaths of both his sister and his brother in order to restore the honour of the family. Now, there's a lot of allegorical dimensions to this film as it contemplates, among other things, the unstable relationship between tradition and modernity in Iran in the late 1960s. But today I want to just focus uh, on just a little part of my analysis on how the film's opening credit sequence begins to teach us how to read the film. The credit sequence was designed, as some of you might know, by a young Abbas Kiristami. And we see close-up images of male bodies tattooed with characters from the Shahnameh, the Book of Kings, Iran's national epic. And not only do these figures that we see emblazoned on these bodies function metonymically, cueing us to the ways in which the Shahnameh has been indelibly etched onto Iran's national body and consciousness, they remind us how the values of the traditional Iranian gymnasium, the Zurkhaneh, the House of Strength, 
has been modelled on notions of chivalry, courage, strength and honour that feature prominently in the Shahnameh and which find their way into the Jaheli genre. So remember, I talked about these kinds of chains of signifiers. And what we already have here is a kind of an announcement of ways in which chains of, of signifiers that already operate within Iranian culture are going to start to weave their way through their film. As I've argued in the book, Kiristami's title sequence quite self-consciously reminds viewers of the conventional associations between the Jaheli film and the traditions of the Zorkaneh, as well as the legendary heroes of the Shahnameh. And this is further enhanced through the figure of Beruz Fosuri, who plays the title role in the film and had been a Zohane practitioner of some renown before embarking on his acting career. So we get these kind of extra textual kind of elements um, as well that, that, that kind of help to guard our, our interpretation. And Vosuri's name appears behind the image of none other than Rustam, one of the most revered heroes of the Shahnameh thus activating a chain of allegorical associations. We move from text to body to film. And as the sequence continues, we, we have this kind of the writhing of these bodies. We just see them in close-up. We never see their faces. They're just kind of these sort of dis, dis, disconnected pieces of body, right? We see the muscles flex and ripple, quite literally animating the figures depicted and preempting the reanimation of the age-old story of violated honour and revenge that will play out in the film itself. Now, this connection is further reinforced during the film via Zerchene posters that are visible in the coffee house that Keza goes to, as well as Keza's family home. Um, and we see some of the dumbbells and things lying around sort of connecting him with that world. And a couple, there are also a few other overt references to the Shahnameh. At one point, his uncle um, is seen reading the Shahnameh. Thus, the title sequence invests the film with a self-reflexive dimension and provides us with a series of interconnected frameworks that come both from Iranian culture, um, but also come from the, the kind of filmic tradition as well. Um, through which we can use we can use these as a means to to read the broader kind of messages of the film itself. So I want to move on to another example. Um, and in much scholarship on Iranian cinema, allegory is often treated merely as a means of resisting or evading censorship. And while this is in many instances quite true, um, in the book I highlight the fact that allegory is also used to support, reinforce and propagate dominant values and ideological positions. And, and this kind of aligns with the, the notion of kind of um, national allegory, um, allegories that are kind of uh, used uh, in, uh, as part of a nation's um, uh, kind of nation building strategy um, to kind of get everybody sort of aligned with the, 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 the ideology. Now, in the case of Iranian post-revolutionary cinema, films um, have been used often to promote post-revolutionary ideology and values. And uh, often they do this, I mean, you know, film is often considered a kind of a soft weapon, right? And they often do this in, um, in ways, uh, it, it, they often do this because films are able to kind of really affect viewers on an emotional level. 
Um, so connect them, uh, get people to really believe in a set of values that are being kind of propagated uh, by particular films. Um, and as other researchers like Negar Moltahade have shown that Iranian films of the post-revolutionary period were used as very powerful means of guiding and purifying the nation and the national sensorium. And this is something um, much more subtle than propaganda. It's something that is also commonly associated with the wave of child-centered films that emerged in the first two decades after the revolution. And in the book, one of the films that I, I look at really closely, I look really closely at is Majid Majidi's Children of Heaven. And throughout the film, Majidi, um, who's a filmmaker who is quite closely aligned with the government, uses techniques of what I call cinematic focalization to align viewers with a set of core values that become personified by the children. So such values include compassion, forbearance, and self-sacrifice. And Majidi frequently makes use of what Edward Brennigan refers to as external focalization. This is where a camera will follow a character and observe them, show us what they're seeing in order to, um, in order to connect the viewer with what they're thinking and feeling, um, allowing us to observe um, their range of emotion as they're experiencing it. So it's a little different than simply the use of point of view to in, in, in invest you within a character's mind. It's actually using um, external focalization in a way that allows us to see how a character responds to a situation in order to identify with them and to feel with them, but not to be completely immersed within them. So there's a slight kind of um, distance between, a slight distance between us and the character. Little Zara, the little girl, she, a, a couple of scenes beforehand, she notices that there's a little girl at school who's wearing the pair of shoes that her brother loses at the beginning of the film and causes the, the great sort of excitement of the film is that the children have to share a pair of shoes and uh, the brother goes to, to school uh, in the morning and has to run home and swap the, the, the shoes for, for, for his sister to go to school in the afternoon or the other way around actually. Um, and But she she's found her shoes and what would you imagine a little girl to do? She'd be like, she'd wanna go and, 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 and grab those shoes and take those shoes off that little girl. Um, but what we see is a really kind of subdued response. So she goes and gets her brother and she comes, brings him back and, and they wait for the little girl to come out of the house and she comes out of the house and suddenly Zara realises this little girl is impoverished. Her father is blind and he works as a peddler. How can she possibly confront him about these shoes? And the way in which Majidi constructs this little sequence, it allows us to, to, without any words, it allows us to fully understand what Zara is thinking, but also fully understand the degree of compassion and resignation that she is modeling for her viewers. This would be probably not much more than melodrama taken on its own. But when linked with a chain of other signifiers, a whole series of sequences that work in a similar way to this, but also the way that there's an emphasis placed on school um, and the national context. And there's little, there's, there's some really interesting uh, couple of shots where 
Um, we, 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 we have a camera at a high angle looking down on the schoolyard. There's the Iranian flag in the foreground on the left of the screen. And we see all the little girls lined up within the schoolyard and they're being taught certain kinds of values. So these sorts of moments are kind of really connected in with the sense of nation and the sense of nation building and the sense in which these young children are to become the nation's kind of future and the nation's hope. And so it, it's through um, a scene like this, which is kind of in many senses quite melodramatic, um, but it's through the chain of signifiers that make their way through the film that renders um, these characters kind of like um, personifications of the values that are being expressed within the film. And this is what kind of renders the film allegorical. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elahe Omidyar Mirjalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.